The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The belief is, is that the transfer portal can magically change your roster for the better or maybe even for the worse when you enter the offseason. In college football, we've been experiencing that for the last several years. We've had some early returns on the positive side and the negative side. And going into 2023, there are a lot of teams out there trying to improve themselves, but not everybody was able to do so after the first transfer portal window closed earlier this month. Hello, I'm Brendan Marcello. You're listening to the College Football Daily. It is Wednesday, January 25th. We're going to look much deeper here in the transfer portal with 24-7 Sports' is Chris Hummer, who I call Professor Portal. Chris, we've seen the early returns from some teams able to just turn over their roster. USC obviously immediately comes to mind for some people and what they're able to do when Lincoln Riley came on board as head coach and brought in Caleb Williams and co., and then elsewhere, look at what LSU did this past season. They were able to supplement and complement some of the pieces they already had there in Brian Kelly's first season, and they reached the SEC championship game. So we just exited the first transfer portal window here, which was a 45-day period starting with that, that day or two after championship weekend for conferences. And a lot of teams have picked up a lot of names out there and Listen, we're going to talk about Colorado, I'm sure, here at some point. But quantity doesn't always necessarily mean high quality. But right now, give me a couple teams, maybe three teams that you really like their halls right now and why. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with Florida State. They're no longer number one in our transfer portal rankings. Um, LSU has passed them, but part of that has to do with quantity. Florida State, which is already building a national or a potential national title contender in 2023, added arguably the best player in the transfer portal in Fentrell Cypress, a all-ACC cornerback from Virginia. It's gonna 14 be pass record. breakups last season, top five in the country in that regard. Florida State's added some really good pieces to that defense, it seems like. Absolutely. And what I really like about Florida State is not only do they have somebody like Central Cypress coming in and all-impact corner, they load it up along the lines of scrimmage, which is what you have to do if you want to win championships. Um, they brought in Utah offensive tackle transfer Jermaine Byers, who's the number two offensive tackle in the 24-7 sports transfer rankings. They brought in two top 10 linemen, Dale Jackson from Miami. 
Braden Fisk from Western Michigan, who's the number one overall interior lineman. They also brought in an edge rusher from uh, South Carolina to bolster that group. Um, it's a really strong uh, transfer group all around. And I think Florida State's going to be starting something like 60% transfers next year in their uh, starting lineup. So I think Florida State's a really interesting experimental point to see how transfers are going to work out long-term in college football. Mike Norvell, the head coach there, was getting some criticism for that early in his tenure because the results weren't there. And this past season, winning 10 games, obviously that changes things. But you talk about transfer portal, Jared Verse was the top pass rusher in the portal a year ago, came from Albany to Florida State and lived up to the quote-unquote hype, had nine sacks this past season. And then you look at the pieces they have coming in this year. You mentioned the edge rushers they got coming in and also Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina. And it's so heavy on transfers and yet they've been able to keep this group together. Is that a Florida State thing? Is that happening more elsewhere? We're just not talking enough about it? it or is this very difficult to kind of keep transfers on campus? And for that matter, build a roster that's primarily composed of transfers? Yeah, I think some of us, I think still, and myself included, often think of transfers as short-term um, additions, short-term hole pluggers. But it's not really the case in this era of college football. Like You have so many younger players entering the transfer portal who show up to your campus with multiple years of eligibility. And while Florida State has added some of those one- and two-year transfers, they've also added players in multiple years of eligibility. People forget, I think, Jordan Travis was a transfer. Came yeah. out from Louisville seemingly a decade ago now, and now he's <laughs> one of the best quarterbacks in college football. We talked about that defensive line that Florida State's going to have, and like Fabian Lovett, I think, is another important name to mention. He's coming back, could have gone to the NFL. He was a transfer from Mississippi State, I believe, in 2020. So Florida State has not only added short-term pieces. I actually, I've said this before, but I think the – Transfer portal was a method of survival for Mike Novell at first. Now it's a method of contention. He's just bringing in a higher level of transfer and also augmenting his high school recruiting gains with transfers. And it's turned into a thing where Florida State somehow juggled this like weird mix of like long-term transfers and key impact high school players. And it's created what I think is the best roster in the ACC going into next year. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's going to be fascinating to watch Florida State and that hype going into next season. You mentioned LSU overtaking Florida State for the number one spot. 11 commitments out of the transfer portal right now. Eight four-star players, their average rating of 91. Florida State's average rating, by the way, just a bit higher at 91.4. But again, the quantity being able to outweigh the quality there, so to speak, with Florida State with nine commitments. What makes LSU a winner and what's made them so doing so well here for Brian Kelly and really back-to-back transfer portal classes for him? Yeah, absolutely. LSU is not really a place where you need help recruiting. You get first dibs on every single player who comes through Louisiana for the most part. And LSU is still recruiting top 10 classes. We saw this that this year with Brian Kelly's early returns and his first full recruiting class. But in the era of college football we are now, you'd be silly not to use the transfer portal to augment the roster. And Brian Kelly is still early in his tenure. Like he's still trying to flip that roster to bring it to where it needs to be. And I think what stands out about this class is the defensive back group, yes. specifically cornerbacks. Um, if you look at the transfer rankings and you're a top cornerback, you're probably playing for LSU. Denver Harris is the number two cornerback in our transfer portal rankings. Zai Alexander is the number four. Deuce Chestnut's number eight. J.K. Johnson is a former top 50 recruit coming in from Ohio State. That's four of the top probably 12 cornerbacks in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings. And you're totally remaking that room if you're Brian Kelly. Obviously, that 
that unit saw a lot of upheaval two years ago when everybody left after Edward John came in. They brought in a lot of transfers to plug some holes last year, but even some of those guys have moved on to the NFL. So this is a group like we talked about earlier with Florida State, who's not only a a short-term solution with guys like Deuce yes. Chestnut, who might be heading the NFL pretty quickly after this. But you've got guys like J.K. Johnson and Denver Harris, who still have at least two years of eligibility left to play for LSU. So I think LSU's really where we work that room. They've added a lot of depth along the defensive line. Omar Spates, the linebacker coming in from Oregon State, I think is one of the best overall players portal one of the most proven players, at least. So it's been a really good group for LSU. And then I don't think anybody should forget about Aaron Anderson coming in from Alabama, former top 40 receiver prospect, um, could be the answer they need to replace, replace Keyshawn Boutte after he uh, unexpectedly left the program late. That was quite the dramatic uh, uh, time period there in December. So who else should we, should we really be talking about here in the transfer portal? Yeah, winners is a winners is such a broad subject in this transfer portal era because I think so many teams could have an argument. But I think especially when because you mentioned because the context of things, I mean, some teams might only add like six guys, like a Notre Dame, which is a program record for them, by the way, six set transfers. But they got the type of guys they just need to fill some holes. And then you got programs like Colorado, where Arizona State, they're absolutely trying to revamp their entire roster, and they're signing. 23 plus transfers. Absolutely. And like, for example, I think I had 10 winners in an article I wrote earlier this week, kind of breaking down all the winners and losers from the transfer portal. I could have easily had five more. Like I didn't include Wisconsin, like for example, and that's a team that I think is in a interesting spot. They're resetting their roster to work for a very vastly different style of football with the air raid coming to Wisconsin. So they've had to do a lot of overhauling of things, but they're a winner. But in terms of like the high profile winners, I think you have to focus on USC or Auburn. Um, let's just, let's talk on USC for a second, just because yeah. at least personally, I like the class a little bit better. USC has a lot of holes to fill specifically on defense and the offensive line. And they did so aggressively. Jared Kingston coming over from Washington State's an immediate impact starter. Michael Tarquin coming over from Florida's an impact starter along the offensive line. They just added Ethan White from Florida as well. So they have a ton of instant impact starters along the offensive line. And then on defense, they've added impact players on every level. Anthony Lucas coming over from Texas A&M, former five-star recruit. Jack Sullivan coming over from Purdue, a four-star transfer in the portal. Mason Cobb, arguably Oklahoma State's best defensive player last year, coming in as a linebacker. He's going to be an immediate impact contributor. You have Christian Roland Wallace coming in from Arizona. He's a former All-Pac-12 player, four-year starter with the Wildcats. They snatched him away from Arizona. And I haven't even mentioned some of the high profile offensive pieces they brought in. So it's been another really strong transfer group for Lincoln Riley as he tries to revamp USC in his image, like we're seeing um, Brian Kelly do at LSU. Question is, is, is can Alex Grinch get that defense to play better? It's just been a, something with him, even going back to OU, it seems like as the season progresses, fundamentals and techniques start going out the window. Guys are taking bad ankles and Obviously, missing tackles, as we saw from USC in that Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, I'm not I'm not here to make excuses for Alex Grinch. He gets paid very handsomely to do what he does. But I will say, if you chart the progression of his defenses, even going back to Washington State, it's usually a year two or year three thing for the roster to come into place the way he wants it to. He runs a pretty unique scheme. It's like that speed defense that he calls it, very turnover-focused. And while um, the last year, last two years really of Oklahoma football were a disappointment under Lincoln Riley, the 
Oklahoma defense under Alex Grinch started to really play well uh, for stretches there. So I think it could be better next year at USC, but if not, um, I think they led the nation for most of the year in turnover margin at USC this past year. It was really yeah. tremendous opportunistic defense. One of them yeah, like, making up for a defense that couldn't tackle worth the lick. But um, <laughs> if you're uh, if you're if you're Alex Grinch, you're hoping to combine the two next year, and you're hoping some of the pieces that you brought in, along with younger players like a Damani Jackson, um, who opted to stay at USC despite some rumors, help yeah. elevate the program. You mentioned you mentioned Auburn. That's another program that was in dire need of a revamp, particularly in the trenches and the offensive line and defensive line. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I think between the high school class and this transfer portal class so far, they signed something like nine or 10 offensive linemen. And then not to mention the guys that brought in on the edge and the interior on that defensive front. What do you think of Hugh Freeze's first portal class going into this spring? I think you hit the key idea. They got better in the trenches. Um, you covered Auburn for a long time. Like those Auburn teams, even if they didn't have the skill talent, even though they didn't have a quarterback, always seemed to have something along the defensive line, at least. They had a defense that was ready to play an SEC play and was a pretty dominant group. It wasn't that way last year. Auburn's O-line struggled to block. Um, they were one of the worst run block units in the country. They were a very average pass block unit. And the Tigers' defensive line totally fell apart. They were 105th last year for PFF and rushing defense. Um, They didn't generate much pressure. They had to get better on both sides. So Auburn did that. Um, They added East Carolina center Avery Jones, who was one of my favorite players in the transfer portal. I think he's one of the best offensive linemen in the country. He's going to come in right away and start for Auburn. They also brought in two top 10 tackles in Dylan Wade from Tulsa and Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky. They probably have three starters coming in from the portal on the offensive line. Um, the defense isn't any different. Justin Rogers coming over for Kentucky. I don't know if he's lived up to expectations that he had as a recruit coming out, but he's still a top 10 defensive he, lineman for He us. starts hot. He wears down quickly. They got to get him in the in the strength and conditioning program and get that cardio going because if they do, he, he could end up being a monster potentially in his future. Absolutely. There's a reason why he was a top 50 prospect for us at 24-7 Sports. And Kentucky definitely didn't want to lose him, so it's a big yeah. win. And they also added guys like Mosai Nassil Kite, Lawrence Johnson from Purdue, Elijah McAllister from Vanderbilt. I don't think any of those guys are like instant impacts, like going to change your defense players, but... Auburn needed to add depth along the defensive line, and it did that aggressively in the transfer portal this year. Yeah, I just looked down up and down our transfer portal team rankings, and the teams you just mentioned stick out. Listen, everybody, we are going to talk about Colorado here in a second. But what about SMU kind of creeping in there at number six as a group of five program? They got a couple of cu- couple of four-star commitments. What What's making SMU's class such a fast riser here in the transfer portal? Especially, well, I, mean, I mean, goodness gracious, across town, so to speak, yeah, TCU just absolutely hogging the headlines and just and des- deservedly so with an amazing magical season and runs the national championship game. Yeah, and TCU is another team I should have mentioned earlier. They've had a really strong transfer class. Yeah. Team, and it's just like there's so many teams. But SMU is kind of like Miami Central, I guess, if you just wanted to, add a, <laughs> you wanted to add a U to the end of the SMU logo, which I've seen several staff members do on tweets. Um, I think they have five former Hurricanes in their class right now, um, obviously oh, wow. with Coach Lashley's uh, history there. So um, that makes sense. But I think SMU's just done a really good job from the beginning of the transfer portal process, um, led by their college scouting department, of knowing who they were going to target going into the portal and being really aggressive at adding talent. They were prepared for the portal in a way few other teams have been. 
credit goes to their director of uh, personnel, Alex Brown, in that regard. But they've just brought in a ton of impact players. That defense was really bad last year. I think it finished 105th nationally in yards allowed per play. Obviously, there was that game against Houston that caught a lot of headlines. Um, <laughs> SMU won that game, so you could be happy about it. But um, that defense had it. You better. Good. Your quarterback's responsible for nine touchdowns. You better be winning the game. Absolutely. And I think SMU's brought in nine defensive transfers so far. Every single one of those players is going to be in the two deep. Um, and I think the large majority of them have a chance to start. They're trying to totally reset that group. Um, and that's what you have to do in this area. You have to bring in quality depth in the two deep. And then on offense, there's some just like really big names. LJ Johnson, former top 50 recruit coming in from Texas A&M. They're going to have a running back room that features LJ Johnson, Jalen Knighton coming in from Miami and Kamara Whedon from Alabama. That's going to be the most stacked <laughs> G5 running back room in the country. Those are former top 100 recruits all around. And then you've got impact offensive linemen um, coming in as well, like PJ Williams coming in from Texas A&M, Charles Woods from Missouri, who I think has NFL potential if you talk to people who are evaluating transfers. So it's a really, really strong group for SMU. And frankly, like SMU is pretty aggressive from an NIL standpoint. They don't get talked about it that way, but they have some advantages that other schools don't. Yeah, we were talking about this off the air, but, you know, the idea of maybe you Try to get in the Jaden Rashada sweepstakes, considering he's a free agent now out there right now and things fell through at Miami. And then, of course, the biggest fall through was at Florida with a reported $13 million contract, $11 million contract and everything falling through there and he gets released from his letter of intent. Now he's on the free market, going to visit TCU, also visiting Arizona State. But SMU, we're, we're told, not interested and looking at him, which is interesting considering, as you mentioned, SMU's uh, deep pockets with their collectives, so to speak, out there. Much more on the winners and losers from the transfer portal, and I promise the job being done by Deion Sanders at Colorado after these messages. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Okay, so I'm going to stay in the state of Texas, and we have to talk about losers. Now, I'm sorry, everybody. Not everybody could be a winner. Just just ask me throughout elementary school. So <laughs> Texas A&M, mass exodus. We know that. Everybody's been talking about it. They've been the butt of jokes this entire offseason. By my count, and this may have changed, 28 players have entered the transfer portal. I think 24 of them are scholarship guys. And here's the thing. 18 of those transfers are blue chip prospects or were blue chip prospects out of high school, I should say. So 18 of your 24 were four-star or five-star players, including a pair of five stars in the most recent 2022 class, which was the best recruiting class in history, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. So where does A&M stand as a loser? And is this really going to hurt them tremendously going into next season? I mean, it it has to get better after a five and seven season, even after losing all those guys, right? You know, it's funny. I didn't have Texas A&M as a loser when I did the looking at winners and losers. And I think, I think there's two different ways to look at losses in the transfer portal. One is volume. Obviously, it's the catchiest number. It's the flashiest number. It's the thing everybody can focus in on. Oh, my God, you lost 26 players to the transfer portal. How terrible, right? Like Florida's dealt with a lot of this, too. But I think Florida and A&M both kind of fit in the same category of teams that lost a lot of players. And like... I, I need to point out that depth is important. Like AM, it's not ideal for AM that they lost so much quality depth across its roster, but they didn't lose starters. I think 17 starters come back for Texas AM last next year. I don't think a single player they lost in the transfer portal was a starter right. outside of Denver Harris um, and potentially Anthony Lucas, but those guys were suspended. And the top players AM lost to the portal were guys that were suspended. I'm talking about Denver Harris, Smoke Louie, PJ Williams. Anthony Lucas, like guys who are already likely not going to be on the roster, Chris Marshall, guys that have gotten suspended midseason. So you're talking about losing high quality prospects and high quality potential, but nobody that was a really strong contributor on the roster that wasn't causing issues off the field within the program. So while Texas A&M did lose a ton and didn't lose a ton of quality, in fact, I would argue Texas A&M bringing in a guy like Tony Grimes from North Carolina added more contributors in the portal that it lost. Um, so I don't necessarily consider Texas A&M a loser this offseason, even if they did on the surface lose a lot of players. And Florida's kind of in the same uh, boat. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy you mentioned that because people just look at the hard number, like a rating. They don't look at the context, as we mentioned, like the quality of players, that what their need their needs were, and the players they are losing, like, one, where are they going? But secondly, what were they doing on your roster previously, as you just mentioned? The transfer portal class for Texas A&M, as we record this right now, ranks 52nd nationally. And you're like, oh, yuck. But the average rating is 91.5, which might be number one, or at least in the top two nationally when you actually look at average rating. So you're, you're exactly right. You just hit on it there. And I think people, when you look at these transfer rankings, especially in the portal, because portal classes and heck for that matter, now that, that I'm, I'm talking about it, recruiting classes, we have lifted that restriction on 25 scholarship players. You just have to hit your 85 scholarship limit mark now. So you can sign 40 high school kids if you want to, as long as you stay under that 85 scholarship limit. But we're not necessarily playing on the same playing field anymore when it comes to numbers. So 
As we mentioned, you've got a school like Arizona State, which has 26 or 27 transfer portal additions, which is astronomical. And then you have Notre Dame, which if you just said program record transfers coming in, you're like, oh boy, they brought in a lot. No, it's six. Six guys is a program record for Notre Dame. And then you look at Blue Bloods like an Alabama or for that matter, Georgia, which just don't rely on transfers all that much because they get those five-star blue chip prospects in as high school kids. They stay on campus, they develop them, and everything's working out. Chris, still, you have to build your roster based off of identifying talent in high school and developing them and keeping them on campus still. That's still got to be the core of a championship winning program. Absolutely. I mean, like, I think any, like any team taking 10 plus transfers in the portal would much rather be Georgia or Alabama or Ohio. So for, yeah, for example, so like LSU, don't you think their numbers are probably going to drop here in like a year or two, those transfer portal numbers? Absolutely. they should. Yeah. If you're recruiting the way you can at a blue blood like that, you should not be taking more than a couple transfers every cycle. Cause that just means you're not doing a good job developing any holes in your roster. Um, what we're seeing schools like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state do is their strategy is more retention. You're paying to keep your through NIL. You're paying to keep your two deep intact. Schools like Florida state don't really have that benefit to this point. Cause they're not bringing in top 10 class after top 10 class. So they have to go in the portal, USC, LSU. So the goal is still to have Georgia's roster. Georgia's roster, um, if all those guys in the transfer portal would probably be like 50 of the top 100 transfers for a reason. Like you want to have the top players coming out of high school. All right. So we've been buttering enough people up. Give me a loser or two here. We got to at least have a loser or two. Oh man, I would say there are far more winners and losers in the transfer portal off season. Because it's hard... I think especially as a power five school, unless you're losing multiple starters, like it's hard to get worse because you should be getting better because players want to come to you. But not everybody's had that. Um, Oklahoma State's definitely a loser, depending on how you want to calculate it. I think they've had anywhere from seven to nine starters leave in the transfer portal. That includes four-year starting quarterback Spencer Sanders going to Ole Miss, starting uh, running back Dominic Richardson, three of the team's five leading receivers. And you could argue the best player on every level of their defense went in the transfer portal as well. So it has been a rough offseason at Oklahoma State. And I'm sure Oklahoma State fans would like to push back, but they did add some players in the transfer portal to make up for that. But Alan Bowman is not a replacement for Spencer Sanders. Like, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, Oklahoma State might survive via the transfer portal, making up for some of the players they lost. But they had a Big 12 contender going in next year at Everybody Stayed, and now they don't. And they are definitely a transfer portal loser. I think you have to look at Arkansas, a school I know you're very familiar with as a transfer portal loser. The Razorbacks lost key players all over their defense. Jordan Dominic going in the portal, who had come over from Georgia's tack just the year before. I believe he led the team in tackles for loss. Arkansas fans would probably argue with me a little bit on it. But Jalen Cantillon, Miles Slusher, not ideal to lose to the transfer portal. Uh, both teams went to Power 5 rosters and were some of the better players when healthy on Arkansas's team. I'm thinking of Keytron Jackson, arguably the most talented wide receiver on the roster. Going That's to a big, That was a big loss. I've been told the, the people there in the program that just that that, that was a, quite the gut punch. Absolutely. And I think you could say the same thing about Trey Knox going to South Carolina. Yes. It's another guy they didn't want to lose. Arkansas is another team like you could argue, yeah, you, like you added some key pieces in the transfer portal, but you're losing five to seven guys you didn't want to lose. And in my opinion, that makes you a loser in this cycle. And you couple that with losing five assistant coaches, including both of your coordinators. And listen, uh, we talk about unique and unique is a u- word overused, but Kendall Bryles is unique with his offense and him leaving Arkansas now bringing in Dan Enos. From Maryland, that offense is going to look different, and it's not going to look like a Kendall Bryles offense. And so, it's 
it's it's they're not hitting reset at Arkansas, but it certainly seems like uh, they've had to reboot the system and they're trying to get everybody up to speed as they had in the spring practice. Any any other losers you kind of look out there? I know South Carolina was maybe bordering on that, but I like some of the pieces they brought in too. No, I had I had South Carolina as a loser, and that's another situation where like. Yeah, South Carolina brought in some really nice transfers and it wasn't a total loss for them. It really isn't a total loss unless you're somebody like Kent State who lost your eight best players in the roster. But if you're South Carolina and you look at our transfer rankings, I think they lost four players in our top 50. So you're not necessarily talking about the best players on your roster. Like, I don't think anybody would argue Jordan Birch was the best player on the team or Jaheim Bell was the best player on the team, but they were one of a few handful of best players on the roster, at least most talented. And to lose those two plus Marshawn Lloyd, which was definitely a gut punch. That's a big one. And Gilbert Edmond, who the edge rusher I was talking about earlier, who went to Florida State. Like, those are four significant losses for South Carolina. And I mean, part of it's like, I mean, it's kind of the underlying factor with everything here. Part of it's NIL. Like, I think South Carolina lost um, those four people to schools with very active NIL arms, Oregon, Florida State, and um, USC. Um, So it's just, it's a gut punch on the field. And it's also kind of a bit of a reality check for where South Carolina is at compared to the rest of college football in terms of uh, the off-field stuff. I'm glad you brought up Kent State we don't talk enough about group of five schools and especially Kent State. But Coach Sean Lewis, I think, is beloved by a lot of folks, including us, for what he does uh, as a play caller. Sean Lewis, the head coach at Kent State, now off to Colorado. Call the offense for Deion Sanders, and you mentioned it. They were decimated by the transfer portal. And not just decimated, but you had one, two, three, four, five kids, or should I say six kids, go to Power 5 programs. I was forgetting that UCF is moving up to the Big 12 next season. So Kent State, how are they doing and how do they kind of try to, I mean, listen, I, there's only so much you can do when you're at that that level of football, right? Yeah, I mean, Kent State's fine unless you need things like quarterback, running back, your three starting receivers, both <laughs> your starting tackles, and an all-MAC cornerback. Good. All of those players are going to the Power 5 level except for Marcus Cooper is going to Ball State, which is another blow because you're losing, you're starting running back to somebody in the conference. So Kent State um, has really struggled this offseason. And really, the MAC in general has gotten yeah. very hard in the transfer portal um, outside of really Ohio, which is why I think Ohio is a pretty big favorite going to next year. Uh, anyway, we're not here to, I guess, not here to discuss MAC uh, standings for next season. But yeah, it's, it's a really tough place as a G5 program right now. Your best players are constantly getting poached. Um, I'm thinking of UTEP. They lost Tyron Smith to Texas A&M, um, their 1,000-yard wide receiver. I'm thinking of Ball State losing their starting running back to UCLA. Um, I'm thinking of Bowling Green losing Jordan Anderson, all-conference safety to UCLA as well. There are examples like that all over college football. And in some cases, like strong culture is going to keep players on your roster. In some cases, NIL is going to keep players on your roster. But it's harder than ever, especially with the amount of tampering going on for G5 yeah. schools to maintain and keep their best players. And it's a really, it's been a really rough offseason for some notable G5 programs losing key contributors to the portal. Okay, I promise we talk about Colorado and we're going to end it with Colorado. All right, you've got Colorado as a winner. As I mentioned, goodness gracious, 23 commitments and of course, all led by Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. So what makes this class good and what makes it potentially a class that could propel Colorado maybe into a bowl game next season? Yeah, I don't know if I want to go that far. Oh, come on. They can get to a bowl game, right? 
They could do it. Come on. I mean, the Pac-12 is really good next year. Like, really yeah, good. Yeah. And then I think they also get TCU um, to open the yeah. year. Or like the second the week. season opener. Yeah. So I think this class is really good because Colorado went 1-11 last year. And literally anybody who could be in the two deep is a positive addition, which is why Colorado taking 23 transfer portal players is not something I even bat an eye at because they needed to get better everywhere. What makes this class really good is because they have, like – upper level talent at certain positions coming in. Jordan Dominic, we mentioned earlier, leaving Arkansas is an edge rusher who can play anywhere in the country. Travis Hunter is clearly somebody who can play anywhere in the country. And you put him next to Cormani McLean, who I know is not a transfer. And even the high powered offenses in the Pac-12 are going to have a tough time throwing at Colorado's top two corners. You got guys like Miles Slusher coming in from Arkansas. You have Sadeo Torre coming over from Arkansas State and all-conference tight end. You have Jimmy Warren coming in from USF, one of the best wide receivers in the transfer portal. Shader Sanders um, is a big upgrade at quarterback for Colorado, um, no matter what you think of Shader um, coming in. So they have added necessary pieces everywhere. I don't think it's going to transform Colorado overnight. This is not going to be a Jackson State situation where Deion Sanders almost instantly runs the table. But this roster should be better next year because of the transfer portal. And that makes Colorado a winner. And I know uh, Deion Sanders is not the head coach there, so we don't mention him at all often. But Kelly Dillingham has done a very similar thing in Arizona State. I believe they brought in 24 transfers so far. Um, not quite as high profile as guys like Travis Hunter, but some really nice pieces. So I think those two Pac-12 schools bringing in 20 plus transfers should be much, much better next year than they were a season ago. Pac-12 is going to be scary good next year, I feel. And it's because of the amazing loads they've got their quarterback. And by the way, the Pac-12 historically has always been a conference that's had good quarterbacks and it's always been like West Coast kids or kids they brought in from high school. But the majority of these top tier quarterbacks in the Pac-12 going into next season transfers mentioned at Colorado Oregon State with DJ Uyangale Caleb Williams a Heisman winner at USC Bo Nix at Oregon it's it's incredible how even the Pac-12 which has had a lot of homegrown talent at quarterback over the years they can still maintain that quarterback reputation but now they're doing so through the transfer portal and bringing kids from all across the country Absolutely. A much more nomadic uh, sport than it was even five years ago. It's crazy. I, mean, I can't, I, I don't understand how anybody keeps track of it, let alone you when you've got how many kids we know that in their transfer portal so far. We have any idea? It's, it's an insane amount. I think we've had just under 1500 players enter since December 5th. Um, oh, that's it? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think we're just shy of 2000 FBS. I don't know the exact number offhand, but um. Quite a few. And we have one more window coming up, a 15-day window, or a two-week window, I should say. And that one will be fast and furious as well. And these teams are not done looking, especially even some of these Power 5 programs that might even need quarterbacks. I'm looking at some SEC teams right now. So, Chris Summer, thank you so much for joining us. For our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you again on Friday. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.